When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. I know it's been a little while since I've released a new episode, but this one was worth the wait. Today I had the opportunity to visit with Boots O'Neill. He was born in 1932, so that makes him 90 years old, and he has been cowboying full-time since he was 16. It's kind of hard to do a guy like this justice over a quick little podcast interview, but I'm grateful for his time. I'm grateful that he was willing to visit with me, and I hope you enjoy what he has to share. Okay, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Perfect. Do you have any questions for me before we start? No, it don't take long to tell about me. <laughs> if you don't mind, do you want to just start off by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about your childhood? Oh, yeah, yeah. I. Uh, my name is Boots O'Neill. I was... Raised on a small ranch in the Texas Panhandle near Pampa. And uh, I was born in 1932. And uh, went to school at a little country school there called Lee Force. And uh, uh, migrated down to the the J.A. Ranch at Clarendon there in the Paladur Canyon and went to work when I was 16. And I've, I'm 90 now, and I've had a job ever since then, punching cows. And, uh, I uh, still work all the time. I, I broke my leg a couple of months ago and um been just kind of getting over it and haven't been doing anything but nursing it here the last two months and i'm just about to get where i can go back to work and uh i live in a bunkhouse here and uh, i uh I I was married 44 years to a lovely lady that, and she passed away with a cancer a few years ago. And uh, uh, the ranch moved me in into a bunkhouse apartment when uh, that happened, where they'd have the house we lived in for a family, 
and uh, have been working here the last 34 years. And, uh, At the four sixes? Yes. And uh, I uh, have spent most of my life working for four big ranches in this country. I worked for the, as I said, the J.A.'s was a very large ranch, the old good United State, and uh, it was in the Paladura Canyon, and I started out working for them when I was 16, and left there and went to the miter doors. All of them were big outfits that run away in six or eight months out of the year at uh pulled them that's like the j a wagon they pulled it with four big perching horses and it was heavy and was in that canyon and bad road deals and then the Matadors was out on a lot better country, and we pulled that wagon with four little mules. And uh, uh, but we'd pull out and go to work in the spring, and and work till fall when it started. What what determined when we'd start in on them big ranches back then is we'd. Uh, We'd pull out and go to work in the spring when uh, long in April, if it rained and the grass got good enough to, because we rode the horses on grass, didn't feed them or nothing. And, and you, you have to ride them when the grass is green for it, them to be able to handle it. And then we'd work till along in the fall when it started the grass started turning brown and it was getting weak long latter part of october first of november and we'd usually pull them wagons in and stay in camps the rest of the winter stay scatter around in different camps and just do general horseback work we worked horseback all the time and uh, uh left them then i went to the army in 1955 53 went in the army and uh, served in korea at that time, and then when I got out of the army in 1955, well, I uh, went down to the Wagner Ranch and went to work for it, and uh, and then I worked there for 25 years, and While I was there, I quit one time and worked as a brand inspector for five years and then went back to cow wanted the cowboy. So I went back to cowboy and, and then I came up here 34 years ago and been 
here four sixes since then. So, but that's really cool that you've been there that long. Oh yeah, well uh, I've been fortunate that to stay healthy and be able to ride at ninety, because a lot of men get to where they can't ride or they tars them or hurts them or something but i have been real fortunate uh and i still work every day horseback other than the last two months i've been uh horse bucked me off two months ago and broke a leg real bad it really messed it up and i've been down for two months now that i haven't worked on just convalescing but uh, I'm getting better every day and I'll look forward maybe in the next couple of weeks to be able to start back to riding and uh, uh, I think the leg's doing good I've got to go back to the doctor in a couple of weeks and they'll uh, that's 60 miles up here to where the doctor is and he'll x-ray it and see if that thing's grown back strong enough that I won't as worried that I'd snap it in two just doing general ranch work again where that break was but it's a I feel like it's doing real good. It's not a bothering me any, and I don't have any pain, and I've been getting up and getting in a pickup and driving over to mess hall and get out and go in and eat the last three or four days. So I feel like that I'm on the mend, and we'll get back to normal here pretty quick but uh that's good that's pretty impressive to be uh, yeah and i'm 90 years old and uh, uh i uh, have been really blessed to be able to work i went out to babbitts and worked between the Wagner Ranch in here when I left there back there and I went out there and worked through a spring works with them for the spring branding there at the ranch north of Flagstaff south of the Grand Canyon and uh and then I've been back out there four or five times over the years when I'd have two or three weeks off from here I go back out there and just work with them because I had a lot of buddies and friends out there and but uh, I'm getting to where it's harder and harder for me to make the journey and yeah. uh, I uh, don't uh, drive as much long distance i used to just pull out in a vehicle and drive 12 or 14 hours and get a room stay all night and go on the next day but 
I got to where anymore I go to getting sleepy after dinner and I have to quit a little earlier. And <laughs> it makes it a little harder to cover a lot of ground, but I, uh, and I, I haven't been back to Arizona in, in, uh, several years and visited with them. I used to go out there, like I said, and stay couple of weeks when I'd have two or three weeks off down in this country, I'd go out there and work uh, while I was off visit and just renew old friendships and I had a lot of good friends and used to go down to OROs there at Prescott and work some too and uh, uh, got a lot of know a lot of cowboys in Arizona, but uh, I spent 90% of my life in in this area here, say between San Angelo and Amarillo, up through there, and uh, there's three or four of the biggest ranches in this country been right there, but they're all cutting down and sizing down and changing up now to where it'd be hard to do that now for a young man to start out. And, but uh, I uh, was fortunate to be in that day and time and uh, able to do it. And uh, uh, this ranch is uh, used to be a lot bigger than it is now, but we still run several thousand cows here and and uh, keep cowboy crew and work cattle horseback all the time. And uh, can you can you good. talk a little bit about the changes that you have seen throughout the years, like? Like what? What has changed from the past to the present? Well, uh, if I started out like back in the fifties when I was a young man, and went working with the the JAs and the Matadors, those cow camps along in the fifties started getting electricity back in there to them camps and. The, uh, had water wells back there and they'd put in bathrooms. They built bathrooms in those houses and uh, and had electricity where it used to be coal oil lamps and wood stoves to cook on and stuff. And uh, they uh, started in the 50s getting better. And then along in the 60s, we started getting our first TVs that I can remember seeing, some little black and white 13-inch TVs at the, on these ranches. That we didn't have any of them. They had them in towns before that, but we couldn't get any reception out on the ranches. and. Uh, we 
started being able to get a little TV and stuff and change the way we lived and thought and worked. And then we, uh, in the 70s, we had one of the biggest changes that's happened in my lifetime on these ranches, and that was they started getting those gooseneck trailers. And you could haul horses back in there somewhere where you used to have to ride all the time, where even before the trailers, that you'd have an old truck, but you couldn't get them trucks in a lot of places you could take a pickup and a gooseneck. So we started being able to go to the back side of them pastures and unload and round back and uh, cut down on our time and the miles that we had to ride to get in there and back. So that was in the early 70s is the first goosenecks I'd ever seen and they went to getting some of them here. And then would you say that was a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it, it was a, a a good thing for the management of the ranches and, and made it better, I guess, for the men. It it uh, it would have been in, in your uh, young cowboy that wanted to just punch cows all the time with he wouldn't have liked it as well because they could load up and haul back down there and unload and round the pasture and come in at dinner and do something that evening that used to it and just took them you'd have had to ride down there one day and stayed all night and worked it the next day and come out you know and so it changed that kind of stuff, and it may be better for the ranches, a little more efficient. And then uh, along there in the late 80s and early 90s, we started getting cell phones, and that's the, the biggest change that I've seen in the Cowboys' lives on these ranches is getting them cell phones. And everybody now carries a cell phone, and they talk to one another on the drive. A man can be over the mountain there looking for an old bull, and somebody can call and say, we found him over here. And that used to, you'd have had to wait till you got in that evening to find out they had found him, you know, and so uh, that was uh, more progress, and and uh, and it's uh, made it better for the men staying in them camps by themselves, and boys getting hurt. Just when I got this leg broke two or three months ago, a horse bucked me off over in the pasture, and uh, I was by myself, and it uh, knocked me out for a little bit. And when I come to, it took me a few minutes to realize 
where I was at, I picked out a rock bluff over there, and I knew where that was and kind of went to coming around and then was going to see if I could get up and walk up on top and then realized I couldn't get up. And so I went looking for my phone and I'd lost it when the horse was bucking and I laid there a little while and the sun was shining real bright right in the middle of the day and I could see the sun glistening off of that phone laying up there on the ground and so I crawled up there and got it and called the boss and they was down there in just 15 or 20 minutes and loaded me up and took me to the hospital and got it fixed that uh, hadn't I, if I hadn't had one well you know it'd been that evening that they'd have finally come over and started hunting for me because they'd uh, knew that I didn't come in at dinner or something and uh so the cell phones, you know, have been really good in that respect. And uh, they take pictures. I've, a lot of times I look back over the years at things I'd really like to have a picture of. But uh, we didn't have a camera there. And now the boys has got these smartphones and can take pictures and send it home while they're sitting on a horse out there 40 miles from nowhere. So it's high technology. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on one of these big ranches in this country, the Hallam that I named, uh, we, we used to pull in in the fall and then cowboys would scatter in camps and do odds and ends, pick up prowling, pick up poor cows and bring them in, or dry cows. And, and then two or three young men, they'd always put you to breaking broncs in the winter. I broke the broncs there at the Mitre Doors and the J.A.'s bow when I was a young fella in the winter. And uh, you'd break broncs all winter and get them to go in where you could take them with a the wagon in the spring when you started branding. And uh, How many uh, would you break throughout the winter? Well, uh, it depends on where we was and what they had, but I broke, like me and my brother, it's, uh, he's 89 and still cowboys and works. and. He, me and him broke them J.A. Bronx in winter of 1950 and then 51 and 52. And we broke, and there's four-year-olds. He didn't break them then till there's four-year-olds. And uh, they was uh, around 50 every winter is what we'd break then. And uh, then I broke the Bronx one year during that time for the miter doors and we broke 35 three-year-old broncs but uh now all these people break them little 
fellers at toes and they've got them already gentle halter broke and stuff back then those horses never had been halter broke and they'd never had a human hand touch them other than when they was roped and mugged and branded and cut as a two-year-old we'd four-foot them tie them down and castrate them and uh, that is the only experience they'd had with people. And, uh, Does one particular memory stand out to you about breaking those colts? Like, was there one really bad one, or were they all just the same? Oh, it's just pretty routine. Of uh, we uh, we'd have to gather the Bronx. They'd be out in a big big pasture and take a cowboy crew and gather them and get them in and then we'd uh, didn't have chutes or nothing where you could put them in a chute and halter them wild, wild horses we'd have to four foot them and tie them down and put a halter on them and then we'd drag them out there to a stake we'd have big rocks with wire hooks around them where we could tie them to a rock on 25 or 30 foot rope and leave them all day and all night there and then uh, you could drag them in in the morning and they'd be kind of given to that halter then and, uh then we'd uh, just run them in there and tie a foot up and saddle them and ride them and then the next day ride them out in a big crail and the next day we'd ride them outside and get them going three or four saddles and take them to the cowboys and start some more and uh, it was uh, a lot different then and the uh, Cowboys were a lot different too that would with the outfit because now you'd have trouble having enough guys in the cowboy crew that could ride broncs like that when you, they was been pretty green when we sent them to the cowboys and you just rode them five or six times and two or three in the corral and two or three outside and. Uh, they uh, would send them to them, but we had to break them. We'd rope them horseback in a big crail and jerk them around and make them face us and pull them out. And then they had learned that where the cowboys could rope them out of a rope corral and lead them out and saddle them, and we'd had to really break them to hobble good during that first four or five days we'd hobble them every time we handled them and that way them boys out the wagon or with them broncs and the, later in the year they could lead one out of there and get a halter on him and then hobble him and saddle him you know and then it's kind of up to them whether they could ride him or not but uh <laughs> We wasn't judged on whether they was gentle. You just got them to where they could rope them and lead them out of the rope crawl and hobble them and saddle them and get on them. 
And uh, then they took them from there. And uh, but then later there at Wagner's where I worked for 25 years, well, I'd uh, we'd ride the broncs two or three months. We'd take like if we had 40 broncs, well we'd put 10 men, 10 broncs to a man and have four men for 40 broncs and they'd have 10 broncs apiece and then they'd start them things in January and ride them January and February and then we'd take them to the wagon in March when we was getting ready to start branding and they'd be going pretty good and the cowboys could divide them up. They'd have already picked them and knew which ones was theirs, you know, when they got to the wagon. And uh, But it's still the same way here. We pick the Bronx every year before we break them, and everybody picks one, and then they break them here in the winter, and everybody takes theirs and goes back to their camp or goes home and keeps keeps him going and uh, uh but they're a lot gentler and we halt to break them when they wean them like we got some men right now halter breaking some colts that they took off the mares in the last week or two and they're halter breaking them things before they turn them out so they'll be a little easier to handle from their own you know and yeah did all the bigger ranches you were on did they did they raise all their own horses yeah yeah every place that i had uh, worked in all them years growing up is and they owned all the horses. They wouldn't let you own a horse and be there because they wanted you to ride their horses. So uh, a guy that even had a horse, well, they'd tell him, just like I've seen them tell them here, that they couldn't own a horse here because we've got lots of horses. But uh, now that's different because of, all these ranches in the last 10 or 15 years has went to work in a lot of day workers. And they, uh, day workers mount themselves. So they'll, guys will be here working two or three of them with their own horses because they're just day workers and they just help us through the works and they mount themselves and so you have them outside horses here now but used to we wouldn't they wouldn't let anybody have a horse of his own here and they won't be riding theirs we've got large bunches i think there's you know 35 or 40 of them two-year-old broncs down there that will get together and we've got three ranches in this country and they're as much as 165 miles apart but all of them will come here 
one day it'll be a designated day and they'll all come and we'll pin all them broncs and and then uh, they pick the one they want according to seniority however long you they got the payroll roster and they can tell when you went to work so uh they uh so you get first pick every time now? Uh, yeah, I'd have a first pick now if I was picking one. I don't <laughs> pick one, but uh, I, I'd i have the first pick now. And uh, But uh, I'll just help pin them and I'll keep a horse firm when they pick one, cut him out into another krill, and and then... The other ranches load theirs and take them home, and then they break them when they get home. And uh, and then the ones that's left, well, we keep them here, and some boys will start breaking them usually the next week. So I imagine they'll pick the bounce pretty quick, and then they'll start getting them broke and get them to go on before time start branding and it's a kind of the same old deal year in year out and uh, but they use a lot of day workers used to they even these big ranches that i'm talking about they wouldn't hire a day worker Little outfits used day workers, but big outfits, they wouldn't. Even when I was the foreman of that Wagner Ranch, I talked to them one time and asked them about what they thought about me hiring two or three day workers just for extra men to get through the branding. And they said, that is the owners. They said they'd rather we, if we needed to have them just harm them but not have day workers and so uh but now all of these this outfit for years when i worked here wouldn't uh hire a day worker but now they have a whole crew of day workers here hmm. when we're working and they all bring their own horses Do you think cowboys are as good today as they were back in the day? Yeah, I think uh, really they, they're they different, and there's not as many of them that's uh, slept on the ground in a teepee a lot as they used to be. And, uh, but they're good. Most of them know taking a... Uh, handle a horse and the rope they've they've been to seen them videos and stuff for these trainers and everything and uh i think the young guys have got more knowledgeable about things than they used to be a young guy used to just had to learn by not hard knocks or getting it done you know but now they these boys just like learning to rope and stuff they have them videos that show them how to, how to swing how to raise your elbow and how to, 
handle the rope, you know, and stuff, and, and they and they're good at it. They're, I think the young men are probably rope better straight across than the older guys did when I was young. We didn't we didn't know that much about the art of it, you know, and we learned just doing it, you know, and you didn't have somebody teaching you to uh, how to crank it up and raise the elbow and that sort of thing that now they talk these kids know how to do that from seeing videos and little movies and stuff on it and they then we have a lot of really good good cowboys they're the boys the young ones a lot of them like i said haven't stayed out slept on the ground and stayed out in a cow camp our way out as much you know they used to come in overnight and they got better roads now and vehicles used to there wouldn't be any pickups in the chuck wagon it is just the horses but now there'll be two or three men out of their pickups out there and stay and they can load up and go in early some evening if they get through and have a chance and used to you didn't have that opportunity but what's the funnest thing you ever roped oh we used to catch there in the paladur canyon we roped a lot of big steers that were six or seven year old steers with long horns long as your arms spread out, you know, and uh, catch them and tie them to trees and uh, leave them tied up overnight and they'll kind of teach them to lead a little and then go in there the next day and put your rope on them and cut them loose from that tree and lead them on down to where you could get a pickup and trailer in there and load them and uh, uh, I've done a lot of that, used to. We did a lot of it at all these ranches, and they don't do much of it now because they have gentled the cattle, and, they don't, and they've got the country cleaned up, the brush, and you don't, don't have the cattle, don't have the opportunity to get away three or four times and get wild and so uh, they don't don't rope big steers or outlawed cattle like we used to but there used to be a lot of wild cattle in this country and we roped a lot of them tied them to trees and laid him out tomorrow sometimes tie him up again that evening and lead him farther the next day to get to a road or where you could load him in a trailer. And uh, you take a big six or seven-year-old steer that weighs 15, 1,600 pounds and his big horn steer, and he's 
wild as an antelope, you know, and uh, he uh, is uh, pretty trying to handle them because he'll get you in a hurry if you make any mistakes. But you can tie one to a tree and leave him tied all day and all night. <clears throat> and he'll give a little to that rope because his head will get sore where that rope goes around his <clears throat> horns and he'll try to not fight it. How would you define the word cowboy? Oh, most of them, uh, the, the good cowboys has been good fellers, honorable men, and, uh, they uh not these wild kids with big black hats on that go town and raise cane uh, and cowboys are respectful around women and uh uh they uh honor the brand of the people they're working for and uh, uh they uh take care of their jobs and and their debts and they're not you know bums or sorry guys and a lot of most real good cowboys the ones I've known and respected is uh, they'll uh, would have been a, a good carpenter or a good doctor or a good pilot if that's the life they chose, because they're the kind of fellas that perfect what they're doing, you know. And uh, but they uh, are honorable fellas. Most cowboys are real good ranch cowboys. Uh, are honest. And, uh, is that? Yeah, that, I like I like that. That's a good one. Well, uh, I hope I've helped you out a little bit. We'll uh, look forward to hearing from you again sometime. Me too. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes my interview with Boots O'Neill. Like I said at the beginning, it's kind of hard to do a guy like this justice on a short little podcast episode, but if you want to hear more of his stories, I would strongly recommend looking him up online and reading some of the other interviews that he's done. He is a really cool guy, and I'm grateful for his time. Um, Just like always, if you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And to put a face behind the name, you can head over to our Instagram page. It's at cowboystories underscore podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks for a brand new episode.